I think as long as you have in mind what you what you need to teach and the learning outcomes, it, it becomes this. And I don't I don't want to say performance because it's not about me, but it the teaching is this highly engaged artistic outpouring, which of the from the coach that's received by the athlete and empowering the athlete. Again, teaching the athletes to match and mirror and work within rhythm dance. You know, is 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 maybe the training outcome in general. And then we just put increasing progressive stress around those rhythms of that day in the weight training. So the training really is in the warm up. let's say it, it, it is in the, the relational and self-awareness. Whereas a lot of times the warm up is just this, you know, a list of things to check off and then you get to the weight training. That was Paul Cater. And you're listening to the just fly performance podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by our longtime sponsor, Simply Faster. There are a lot of sports technology companies out there, but Simply Faster is the only website you can go to that features an online store that covers the bandwidth of training technology from force plates to timing systems to muscle simulators and more. Some products of Simply Faster that I use and love include things like the Freelap Timing System in KBox or coaches' favorites such as GymAware. Recently, Simply Faster has added two units that as a coach, you should definitely take a look at. The first is the Muscle Lab Contact Grid, which is an extremely affordable and portable step-by-step, literally, system to collect data on jumps, bounds, sprints, agility, hurdle hops, and really as much as your creative mind can imagine. In what used to take a whole runway worth of collecting of data collecting strips, the contact grid does it all with only two small strips that together cover up to 40 meters of sprinting. Ground contact time, step rates, rhythms, and beyond are at your fingertips with this device. Another new unit, the VO2 Master, is an ultra-portable gas exchange analyzer. Don't guess on energy system development when you can get direct insight into VO2 capabilities in relation to specific sports skills, rather than... Uh, being hooked up to tubes on a treadmill or worse yet, a cycle ergometer to get a VO2 max. Think of the VO2 master as your own gas exchange lab without the tubes and wires. Deepen your analysis in the specific conditioning preparation of your athletes with the VO2 master today. These products and incredible customer service make Simply Faster your go-to for your sports technology needs. I'm happy to have partnered with them in sponsoring this podcast. Their support has been tremendous. So check them out today at simplyfaster.com. That's simply with an I, faster.com. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. It's awesome to have you guys here. And I know I'm excited for every show, but this show uh, is definitely a special one. Uh, This is the first full-length episode that I've done with my friend Paul Cater. Uh, Paul was actually on a, a small a roundtable segment for episode 197, where we talked for about 25 minutes. And ever since then, I've just been thinking about that that show, that full length show we'll do when we he comes back on. And so the time was finally right. We Paul and I were able to sit down and just have a really great conversation on the the fine details of his his total training session. Uh, last show we talked for 25 minutes just about uh, creating a story around training. And as well as his return uh, to sprinting as as a prime or pinnacle uh, portion of his coaching process, um, but this one we we get into some other elements. And so, just to give a quick background, those of you who are not familiar with Paul, Paul is the owner of the Alpha Project in Salinas, California, which is Monterey Bay area. For those of you who may not be familiar with that locale, 
Paul has spent time uh, training basically athletes on just about every level, from the pro ranks, uh, the London Wasps and rugby, Baltimore Orioles, to training athletes of all ages and abilities, from local youth to collegiate athletes to Olympians to even grandmothers and grandfathers at his gym. And so a man of diverse experience, cultural experience, uh, Paul is a guy who he'll be in the gym training and then painting a painting in between sets. Uh, he's an outside the box thinker and we can all learn so much from him. I absolutely have. Paul has changed uh, my just vision as a coach to what I believe a good training session is. Uh, and it's like if you could see every year of my coaching process as a full-time strength coach, uh, you could see Paul's impact on that every year the more I learn from him. And my athletes, I've certainly was able to serve them better for that. So uh, we're going to get into it today. Uh, the nuts and bolts to Paul's system. The He's going to talk about rhythm and flow in a training session. He's going to talk about awareness, vulnerability, and all these elements that he's trying to cultivate and create an environment around that really lead up to that that crescendo, that that weightlifting experience. And I don't want to I don't want to spoil the story at all. I don't want to try to steal any thunder. So we're just going to get right into that. This was an awesome show with my friend Paul, and I know you guys are really going to enjoy this one. So let's get on to the show. Uh, all right. So I know I'm going to re-ask you this, Paul, because you just mentioned it a few minutes ago, but I think it's definitely worthy of telling again. But you know, we were just talking about um, running in adverse elements or being you know weather and stuff like that, and how that impacts the workout. But I know. You had, you had a little story about running down from a mountain and being in a little bit of fight and flight or fight or flight. Uh, mm -hmm. what was, what was going on there? Uh, we were in a hike in, in Colorado at one of the 14, uh, 14,000 foot peak, um, peaks. I, uh, there was an old mine up there, an old, uh, I don't know, silver mine or something. And there's a, there's a few, iron tools and remnants of the, the mine. And I thought, you know, I, I have a history degree first and foremost from uh, my undergraduate days. And uh, I appreciate history and so I said, oh, I'm going to take some of this home. So, well, the thunderstorm came in around, you know, around four o'clock and I, uh, and lightning was striking everywhere. And uh, I think one of the, my greatest training memories ever um, was running down probably three miles, just downhill, down shale and rocks and uh, nooks and crannies down this trail and in a, a purely exposed mountain top. And I think, man, that was one of the moments in my life. I was super dialed in. I, I was fully engaged with my body, mind, and the uh, spirit. And, and <laughs> praying I wouldn't get struck by lightning, but yeah so i i kind of i i enjoy those natural elements when i train you know in uh for the, the flight or flight mechanism whether it's pretending you're getting chased by a, a saber-toothed tiger or getting struck or actually going to get struck by lightning i think there's, there's something to that creating that experience around training that we can learn from yeah, that's what I was, that's what I was going to ask you. That's where I was going to go with that. Because I think that the best training sessions I've been in and not just training, but also just experiences in team sport, you know, it's like you lose the self a little bit and it's just about the moment. 
And I mean, what better way to be in the moment than to be in kind of a situation where your life is in a little bit of danger. You're afraid of being struck by lightning. You got to run. And I've been in not too many of those, but I've been in one in particular in my memory. And I, I remember thinking, man, if if all training was had some of this or not all, but even once in a while, your outputs are just like so much higher and it brings a really different element in. So, I mean, do you, like you said, yeah, do you find yourself thinking about that sometimes where you have a training session or does that, or just that general idea, does it cross your mind and the environment you're trying to create? I mean, you can't like, oh, sure. I think every day, I think you're, I have to ask myself, did you create an experience that, um, invokes maximal awareness and, uh, you know, within the, within the scope of what the goal, uh, adaptive goal is that day, you know, did I create an experience that supports that? And, um, you know, without, without just having it be, uh, a maximal, uh, adrenaline situation. Cause I think, like I said, I was saying earlier that, these kids especially get these, uh, it's like they're adrenaline junkies. They, they have to have this massive hype or music musical element, which I do, I do think music's very important, but, or, or, or everything's falls to the walls all the time. So I think creating an experience of both the deep introspective, uh, meditative state all, all the way to the, collective experience of competition and um you know there's a whole spectrum there but yeah you, you have to decide where in the day are you going to work on that spectrum or within the session or yeah you know so that's that's a huge consideration every day so how are you creating experience um and where do you want to go to do that uh, you can't you i mean you can't like actually put people's lives in danger. Right. But like, well, a funny thing, I remember watching this, uh, it was a swim coach in Australia, I want to mm-hmm. say, and he had his swimmers take off to one side of the pool, like for like a 25 or 50, however long the pool was. I'm not, I don't remember, but after they were like 10 meters in, he threw like a little, it was like a, it wasn't a full grown, but like a little alligator in after him mm-hmm. and they're just swimming and just like, oh, that was pretty funny. I should put that in the show notes. But I think about so that would be the literal, like, let's put you in some sort of state by, by adding a life or death like element. But I mean, how do you, uh, how, how do you create that? I think a lot of strength coaches talk about, uh, or coaches in general, like have a sense of urgency, have a sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. kind of what they're chipping at. Right. But I don't think it's something you can just tell someone to do per se. I mean, you can, you can, you know, try to conjure up a little bit, paste it on. And that's good. I mean, I, I don't disagree with mm-hmm. coaches saying that at all. I think that's a good thing. But how do you, what are some ways that you create that element? Or what are some tools in the toolbox to start creating that, that sense of urgency, flow state, something mm-hmm. greater than yourself in a training session? Well, let's work, let's work backwards. Um, Let's work backwards. The uh, the you can't always have a a football team situation where you have fifty guys around you when you're trying to bench press or or you know PR you're you're clean. Um, so and many many athletes I, I work with aren't aren't in that that state. You know they're individual sport athletes or they, you know female young females things like that. But it's it's not like a good fit for that whole thing um so you have to create i think uh a natural awareness of of rhythm and 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 melody and 
you know, tuning, so to speak, at the beginning of the session and which and a heightened awareness of self right right from the get-go. And that that will allow uh, a rhythm like you, you kind of mentioned earlier, like almost like I, I dare say a church service where there's a flow or like a dinner or there's a beginning, a middle and end. And so the athletes can, I think, tune into a rhythm of a session and appropriate timings of even when the maximal loading is going to happen or, or things like that. So um, I think that's setting the, this table for a, a lead in uh, and like a, an apex and like a, a cool down, you know, all that sort of, there's gotta be a, a rhythm of the session. And, and once the athletes understand that, then you can, you can learn, I think when to, to bring a little bit more energy and hype or, or even competitive element. And some days that changes, you know, you pull out the old card that you get fired up right away or, you you add a game or you add a uh, you know t- whatever whatever it is to peak that but I don't know if that answers the question there but um I think tapping into the to the r- rhythmic cycles of the session but also just the body itself is, is super important in the first fifteen minutes of of, of every any time they walk in the door and um, that has a lot to do with musical selection I think it has a lot to do with uh, the, the setting the setting the environment and the cult and you know cultivating the vibe and uh, initiating it and ushering that vibe in and that and that's an art form you know it, it takes practice you know yeah so so, so let's uh yeah we'll, we'll unpack that and i want to get it because the, the one of the first things that comes to my mind as you talk about that is I think when it's time to work out, the typical attitude is, all right, let's just flip on Metallica or something angry or some, you know, yeah. whatever rap is popular now. And just something that has kind mm-hmm. of that same, the same general vibe uh, to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always think about you either, you either put on music that represents like a dark side of yourself that you don't want to go or mm-hmm. something that you want to subconsciously be like, oh, I want to listen to, you know, like my, my old Tennessee mm-hmm. want to listen to like gangster rap or something like, you know, or, or I'm going to put on, you know, you have an and, alter and, ego, you have a, uh, an empowering feel that usually is associated with, I mean, every music has a message and to say that, Oh, I don't listen to the words. I mean, the words are very powerful, whether you hear them subconsciously or not. So I think creating a, uh, a positive, but challenging environment, but there's different like downbeats, melodic, melodic tune, uh, you know, tuning of the body that, you know, you, you, I think as a coach, you have to be really aware of to peak an athlete's awareness so that they can then respond to challenges and have that, you know, fight or flight at the right times, whether you can support that fight or flight uh, maximum adrenaline phase for an entire session or whether mm-hmm. it's five minutes during the, you know, the the point of the lifting, you know, uh, that's, that's where the coach needs to orchestrate that somewhat like a DJ, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like you'd mentioned the, the church service analogy, like you have the, the announcements, you have the music, you know, the main, mm -hmm. the main sermon or talk, you have the benediction, this fellowship, like there's different like elements to that. And I think that, like you said, to your point, like you come, you turn on adrenaline face and you roll with adrenaline face for 60, 70, 80, like that doesn't, you can't sustain that. It's not, it doesn't work to building the apex, the crescendo 
Um, and, and then, and as I know, we're going to get into is how you build that up and build that session yeah. up. There's the, I think coaches hide behind it a little bit. I think, um, you, you, you know, you, you're trying to create a culture of empowerment and, um, awareness, you know, but it's less, a lot of coaches, I don't think approach the introspection and they'll, then they'll have to say, okay, go take a yoga class or meditate. Every, every session should be somewhat formulaic in that regard. And I know church services, whatever denomination or religion really have that formula of, uh, you know, self and then community experience. So I think that the training sessions need to have that same kind of same side of formula as well. But yeah, you can hide behind music for so long you can hide behind team competitions for so long before just movement patterns and, and the, the development really isn't, isn't happening. Okay. And parents and, you know, at the youth, at the youth side of things, parents will pay for that for uh, quite a while and mask that the fact that kid isn't really getting better for the long term. It's kind of that glass ceiling situation, but they're having fun. They're puking in the corner. They're getting their money's worth. <laughs> They're getting a free T-shirt, and they're creating the memory aspects, which which is important. Yeah. I'm not going to say it's not. <laughs> um, kids kids will remember the the, the comp- competitive element. I think that's half the battle. Whether that creates a robust athlete later in their career, I'm not convinced. You know, and I think it doesn't. I, I so, do uh, I do think that athletes on some level, <laughs> I mean th- those bad memories. Like I've talked with Dr. Tommy John about this. Like sometimes the bad coaches are just as important as the good coaches in some respects. Cause you learn the extremes, you learn the polarity for one thing. But I do think that those teammates you've had, it, you could be like, Oh, remember that workout. It was so-and-so and it was terrible. And, and maybe it was a bad workout. You know, maybe there wasn't, maybe it was overkill. Maybe the adaptation wasn't great, but, and again, I'm not, I don't model my own practice after, you know, regularly throwing down those workouts at athletes and saying I did a good job because I obviously people who listen to this podcast know it's not my vibe, but mm. I, not that I, I think it's good to work hard from time to time, but I, I don't know. I had a funny, I had a funny thought too, almost like, you know, private sector training, like <laughs> throw up it up in the corner. That's worth 30 bucks. Like that's, that was got our money's worth out of that one <laughs> or, you know, or whatever. There's values. There's what are the key, what are the KPIs, so to speak for uh parental value? Yeah. yeah. What do we value? What, 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 what do we put a dollar value kid, on now for training? Yeah. Does the kid come home with an experience? Okay. That's only, that, that, that is important. It's only half of it. I, you know, and again, our, our, our kids really learning their own bodies. Are they going through, the quiet time um, before the hype time. And yes, uh, I don't, I don't know if that's, that's, it's hard to sell rest time and it's hard to sell. Um, it's hard, you know, it's hard to sell variable. Like if parents don't see the, the immediate theme and how it's relative to little Johnny getting, you know, getting faster, um, <laughs> then it's hard to sell, you know, it's hard to sell a, a whole system where, you, you, you know, you might have these variable, variable approaches to warm up, to tuning the body, to all these things. So uh, it's, a, it's a little bit of an art to sell to, to parents. And I, I speak to those who are, who are training youth, but also those who are training elite athletes. I think there's the, the same things applicable. You're always serving mm-hmm. somebody. Yeah. Whether, and there's someone paying, whether it's a GM uh, or an owner of a team or, or a parent, you know, so like you're always, 
the, the thought that you just going to build your own weight room and be totally autonomous is, is false. And I'm, I think that's a, yeah. something that I, I was uh, duped into thinking like, Oh, I'll get out of professional sports so I can do my own thing. You're always partnered with somebody. There's always, so, there's always that, the dons. Nothing else. The government, the government. For yeah, there's always, there are always the dons. I think that even, you know, even in that though, you're even in a university sector, like you're still have to sell less head, a head sport coach on what you're doing. You know, if you're going to do something other than the typical, um, like to come in and just do breathing exercises for 10 minutes, you know, your, your head coach has to be on board with that stuff. Like they have to, and most are, honestly, I think that it's almost like, at least if you, I think a coach is different than a parent, like a high level coach gets it. Whereas the parent might be like, they might really have no idea. And I, so it's a little bit different sell. I mean, I've always, I've never been shot. I've always, it's been encouraging actually, or encouraged doing the breathing and those types of things. Cause mm -hmm. I think we, those of us who, who live this, we know it. Um, and, and breathing yeah, is just one yeah, example, I mean, uh, you know, of many. Stop, the, the, the advent of performance directors and super specialization for, for these, you know, in, within a professional organization from the meditation coach to the, the men, you know, the mental coach, <laughs> You know, the, the strength coach, the speed coach, the, uh, you know, obviously the hitting coach, you know, whatever, whatever, all these people that are vying for time with the athlete, right? You, you have more and more performance directors orchestrating that, which is good because it gives place and relevancy to every, um, let's say every sector. But what I'm seeing too is that it, it gets formulaic, sometimes these performance coaches are out of touch with the experience of the athlete. Um, and, and it's just as detrimental as the adrenaline junkie hype rhabdo coach, you know, like <laughs> that's a, that's so going to be like, a t-shirt for that. This there's is always like title. this mitigation of, of, uh, I wouldn't say risk, but being uh, vulnerable enough to form the relationships because with athletes, and now it's we're hiding behind tech and data, but you, what's never going to go out of style is, is depth of understanding and relationship with an athlete and knowing what they need. So um, that vulnerability aspect, which you, you talk about the collective training or uh, experiences, is really needs to be um, adhered to and, 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 and honored, I think. And, and uh, yeah, so... Uh, that's what's going to limit injuries going forward, I think, is really knowing athletes beyond a data point or a predictive analytic or, uh, you know, what any of the other tools they're using at the high end, but also the <laughs> at the low end with the, with the youth organizations, just running them, running them till they, till they puke or something like that. So, yeah, it's a, when it's, you talk, it's a courageous path, I think, to really have a comprehensive program yeah it's a level i think the trend is simple systems trying to make complex solutions um i remember it was in mark mark bubs has been on this podcast and in his book peak it, it was one of the um he had an example of of that where you can't solve a complex system with a with a linear just a plus b equals c style solution there's a different form of thinking uh that's involved in that and I mean, we as human beings, and this is, I think, the fun of what we do is we are the most complex system on this planet. Um, mm -hmm. Well, maybe that's a little egotistical to say. I mean, I think all of nature is awesome. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's, there's beauty in nature and there's, it's amazing to see what the human body is capable of as well as how the yeah. different inputs 
have an impact on it, not just data-based inputs or mechanical inputs, but emotional inputs and environmental inputs. And, you know, I have a lightning rod in my backpack at inputs and I've got to run out down from a mountain. And I, um, I want to get into, so, you know, I I know, um, I've been blessed by the ability to Mm. have both sat through watching, observing your sessions of you coaching athletes, as well as having been coached by you and then also collaborating on workouts alongside you. And, um, that's changed me as a coach. And so my goal is I really want to give, uh, kind of recreate the experience of, of what it's like to train with you, mm-hmm. if you will. And we, 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 all this stuff gets put together. And so you talked about, um, awareness and, and I love what you said, by the way of, cause I do think it's so easy to outsource awareness. Yeah. Go do some yoga. Good. And that's not bad. I'm not saying that's bad. At least yeah. the person realizes the coach or whoever is realizing that, yes, this is important. Yes. Let's put this in the system. But I think that, and maybe those coaches are also invoking awareness in their own program. Hopefully they are, but I, how do you, sorry, I'm, I'm about basically long story short is how, how do you invoke awareness from the time that athlete comes in the door and what, what switch needs to be had that they can enter the training state? Right. Um, well, just first real, real quick, I think what you're talking about is scalability and our yearn as humans to scale any operation provides the ability to, do, to, to carry more volume. I don't care whether you're, you're, you know, developing agriculture to support a city or, or scaling a system to have more athletes to pay for your, the overhead of your building. But, um, that there's got it. We've got our own yearning to scale and kind of not in check, but just we need to be aware of, the pitfalls of that and and i try to impart on whoever walks in the door that they're not just a part of a scaled model and a number you know so giving them identity and first and foremost i want to see where athletes are with their own identity if i had a a objective scale uh, if i could objectify uh, and give feedback to individual awareness i do it um, how do you okay you give a point score on their posture walking in their vision who do they communicate with where do they put their water bottle and keys how do they interact with others what do they do from the outset um do they say hello to other you know things like that like if i could have a scale like okay we've checked the self-aware awareness box which is like a rel- relative to, to confidence in an environment i think and, and and are you aware of other people are you aware of yourself and your own procedures are you aware of other people that's i think you gotta you gotta address that right away um and that's our job is i think managing a strength condition environment as you're you know the whole head on a swivel are you relationally aware with people too so that's first and foremost i i would I'm adamant, like my interns and assistants, the music selection has to be on point from the start of the session. There has to be um, a safe feel. I don't think the fight or flight needs to happen right then when you walk in the building. You, you know, you should see these parents drive from place to place to place. The kids are already on high alert. There's already like a fear that they're going to be late, a fear that they're going to be uh, you know, missing out. There's this huge like FOMO scenario that just drives these people around town all day. 
So I want to eliminate that first and foremost. Are you comfortable when you walk in the door? Is the musical selection matching that? Um, is there a gameplay? Is it relevant to the end game? You know, I have a basketball court in my gym. Are guys playing hoops? Are they playing ping pong? Are they, you know, what are they doing to engage with the environment? I mean, it's, it's half the battle right there, right then and there. And everyone's going to be different on different levels, you know. With that, um, age, ability, awareness, uh, you know, athletic ability and all that kind of deal. So personality, things like that. So first and foremost is the athlete self and relationally aware around them. And yeah, and then it becomes more or less a hour to hour and a half uh, building up a communal experience to the point where there's moment of vulnerability for everybody that's engaged with uh, it's fun to have multiple sports multiple genders multiple ages in the same room is there shared experience with that vulnerable state and then is there like a building up and a encouraging crescendo and resolution to the session we might have five minutes of weightlifting it could be a lot of build up to that, you know. So uh I do like to have consistency with athletes. I'm trying to get out of like a lesson rate type model where but you have the freedom throughout the whole week to build that theme and, and establish that. So uh ask maybe questions on the back on the back of that, Joel, because I know that's maybe wasn't <laughs> well, super. Unpack clear, that. That's my specialty is unpacking. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's good. I uh you know so yeah. Okay. Anyway, I all right, let me ask a question for you. Okay. So, well, as you're saying that too, uh, I think, and I've used this example with you before, but the idea of um, like everyone who plays, who wants to dunk and jump higher knows that pickup basketball is the best warm up you can possibly do to dunk better. It's, you know, on all levels, body temperature, awareness, you know, using even the vision, visual inputs and nervous systems and reacting and multi-directional joint warmups and everything you can imagine, you know, and, you know, peer groups, peer uh, peers being around. And so you have everything, right? And it, but then you go after you play a few games and you do maybe like three or four dunks, maybe more, but those three or four dunks count a lot more than if I was to just do, you know, canned robot warmup by myself or in a group, mm -hmm. but, you know, and then do... 20 dunk temps that weren't as good. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so to me, yeah. And, and yeah, within that, is soldiers. there a creative, there's a creative element that I didn't mention that within those dunks, right? I'm not telling you how to dunk. I'm not, you know, there's not a formula to that. You trying to work your way up to the rim or something like that. So sorry, sorry to interrupt, but no, it's all, it's all good. Uh, I know. Uh, yeah, especially too, I think everyone, anyone who's worked with athletes and I think athletics since, and maybe this is a different topic for down the show, but like I, to me, I, and I just hit me today very powerfully, but like athletic or training physically is really a celebration of life in so many ways. And so I think that's something I think your mm -hmm. work embodies very well. And so we so often see these athletes roll in and oftentimes they're in their own little peer groups, right? And or or they're by themselves, and they're kind of like a part of the group, or they're worried to be there, or or they're maybe really excited, you know. But mm -hmm. but trying to, and I know I know you've done things like you know 
say, Hey, go, go meet someone you don't know, or, um, just how, what are some things that you do to help? And I, you had talked about that uh, in your last answer, but, um, you, you said ways to cultivate vulnerability. So maybe could you address that first on a level, a little more specific level? For sure. Like, okay, maybe it's, uh, we play ballet music and we force even the boys in the group to do ballet moves. Um, maybe it's having Latin appreciation day in the MLB weight room. So forcing guys to not fight over musical choices or have earphone, you know, ear pods in or whatever. And, and, uh, so it's, it's creating like, there's gotta be some humorous element. I think, um, maybe it's, Oh, I, I, we've done uh, a game of horse and the loser has to go by the homeless guy across the street at Starbucks. Uh, something like that. So it's just getting out of the comfort zone and with the, with some sort of creative element in that, that when you break down the, the, uh, the hardcore, uh, you know, shoe commercial ads where, you, you know, you're having to conquer the world running up the stairs by yourself and prove in how, who your identity is by how hard you work. I think that's like a, such a pitfall that, you know, I think that is a, a, a kind of a half truth. It's it, training and the body itself is a celebration of um, kind of what's already been done, not necessarily something you have to prove consistently all the time. That's a huge, that's a huge burden that many kids will drive many kids from sport, you know, if they don't have immediate success. So I think creating a, yeah, breaking down those, those, those barriers and you know again i use the ballet example so we put it on tchaikovsky during christmas time we do the nutcracker and we have uh maybe there is a ballet girl who did uh you trained as a ballet um trained a ballet as a youth i'll say okay hey you know empowering her to lead or you know having these athletes be put in these different situations maybe it's having a dance contest creating footwork ladder matching musical beats that basically forces kids to dance. Uh, you know, that's the, the that's kind of been my vein recently is engaging with with dance and rhythm and music. If I had a music theory teacher, I'd add that as a performance uh, director. I would add um, a mandatory music theory class for every athlete in my organization. You know, how do you match and mirror and mimic and different beat counts and and, and things like that. So uh, anyway, music plays a huge part in that, I think. Yeah. So let's, not just for amping you up for a, a maximum deadlift, you know, where everyone sits around you and screams at you, you know, so <laughs> it's just part of it too. I, I, I do that. I, I don't mind. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good thing. It's just, it shouldn't be like 2% the of my day, yeah. 1%, maybe. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, um, it's like a music or it's like techno. When does the beat drop? But I mean, it, you know, you can't, just keep dropping the beat every like three seconds. It has to, everything builds up, to it, you know, it's got a, it's like, yeah, it's ex- the opposite ends of the spectrum. I think anticipation, if I could sum it up is teaching athletes to anticipate those moments of high reactivity of subconscious in, involuntary muscle contraction at maximum rates of force development. That's, that's the beauty is when you, teaching athletes to react and be calm and collected before and after that. Look at some of these Chinese weightlifters or guys at, at, at the plate, you know, 
they're super calm and they're not, it's not a massive hype show before and after the event, even though they're creating incredible, uh, it's an incredible display of force and velocity <laughs> with these people. Right. Yeah. And I don't know if that's being taught a lot. It's like the calmness before and after it's, it's, it's all become showing up, hurrying to this event, checking the box, memorizing your warm up routine, you know, patting yourself on the back because you're training and then leaving to the next thing. It's, it's become, it's devoid of any real, I think, deeper thought. And, 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 and maybe this, you could say the spiritual element of it. You know, I don't mind saying that. Yeah. It's all, I think I love how everything connects, um, in that celebration of life that we call the training session, you know, and yeah, I, I do think it's a special time when athletes can come together and get rowdy, but it's also important to have that precedent. I know back when I took like Douglas heels, be activated and, (laughs) and now it's, um, there's RPR as well now. And, and they both systems put a huge, the priority is on, or a huge priority is on breathing team breathing before and mindful warmups before games and being in a more mm-hmm. teaching football players to be in a more parasympathetic um, oriented state is really underrated. I, um, yeah, I think yeah, I agree with you hundred percent, Joel. I think it, it's the lost, you know, these, these new industries that are, or, you know, specialties about around breathing around meditation are because we've just lost what people have been doing from, thousands of years you know or the the, the even the, the the whole like experience of eating together uh praying before a meal uh, having morning like quiet time in the morning um running let's just talk about running the greatest expression of breathing and elasticity in the hip and torso and shoulder is just sprinting for a sustained period of time survival maybe mm-hmm. it's the fight or flight down the mountain if, if we just did those things that humans have been doing forever then we, you know but we it's great that we're adding them back in in, in some sort of force formulaic way but um, i would love people to experience those organically as we as we've done together you know um, finding the body's natural tune and rhythm yeah Let's Dude, let's talk about rhythm. That a little creates bit. the robust athlete. Yeah, let's talk about rhythm a little bit. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, just tell me to shut up. <laughs> no, no, I want to. I want to. I, I just I know the rhythm. You mentioned it, and it's something that you've been really been doing. You've had some really cool. Uh, you've had some social media posts regarding that, and I know that's been. If I could say what's the experience that will always stick with me from you know even our just one on one you know training sessions where it's just me and you. And, and the thing I loved about that too, is like even just doing various sprint drill or sprint drill variations to music and where you're basically leading it. Okay. Here's, here's this iteration, do this to the beat. And I would try to do it to the beat. And it was such an awesome, that was such an awesome trip. I would call it the warm up, but it was just the training, you know? And, and I remember the next time I saw you, I was like, Hey, can we do that again? And you're like, I don't, I can't recreate that. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's only something that can be created in the moment. And that's, what's awesome about it too. Is yeah. Not, it's not that there's a performance I, to it yeah. and that's okay. And I, I don't, maybe not even remember it, but I think as long as you have in mind what you're, what you need to teach and the learning outcomes, it, it becomes this, uh, and I don't, I don't want to say performance cause it's not about me, but it, the teaching is this highly engaged artistic 
outpouring, which of the, from the coach that's received by the athlete and empowering the athlete. And yeah, oh, again, teaching the athletes to, to match and mirror and work within rhythm uh, dance, you know, is, is, is maybe the training outcome in general. And then we just put stress increasing progressive stress around those rhythms of that day in the weight training. So the training really is in the warm up. let's say it, it, it is in the, the relational and self-awareness. Uh, whereas a lot of times the warm up is just this, you know, a list of things to ch- check off and then you get to the weight training, you know, and then, <laughs> you know, and so I, yeah, I, that's maybe my, my new, uh, thing i want to well i think i really want to start researching and putting more time into but um your question was how does it come together yeah yeah how does that how how does that come together i i think um i think the coach and i don't want to overstate i don't i don't want to like say this off the cuff but i really do think a coach needs to to meditate and to really link into the to the point of the whole session and how it empowers and how it is a redemptive reconciliating event in, in a, in an athlete's individual life or collectively where it is, is celebrating life in, in this day and age. The best thing I've ever seen to bring cultures, people of different races, backgrounds, religions, creeds is a trading session. It's just this bonding experience where people have to be vulnerable enough and get outside their own uh, think, thinking and, and pretenses. And, and they have this collective experience. It's extremely powerful. I think the coach needs to work from that. And that and that's where personally I get insight and uh, illumination is kind of a, a, a strong word, but and what to do in that moment. There's got to be enough coaching freedom and definitely uh, coaches are not learning this in school or from a certification course. They're learning it from a deep experience from their own training, but also from a mindset of how do I breathe life and encourage these athletes in, in this, in this experience. And, and it has everything to do with the physiology and the hard science for sure. We talk about weather, we talk about external circumstances and reading those and then orchestrating the session around that. And that's hard to scale, I think, uh, but it's really a pure joy for me. It's an, it's my artistic expression, just as much as I'm trying to paint or whatever. But um, it's there's sessions that, that we finish and it's like, I didn't film it. I didn't put it on YouTube. I didn't put it on Instagram. I don't even I know what we did. I have some data around it, but how do I, how do I reproduce that? What even happened? Um, anyway, I know that's so when the abstract, yeah, but, well, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's bring I that see, into, can, let's bring it into maybe just a little bit of black and white in the sense that so music wise, yes, I, I mean, yes. I don't know the whole podcast. I could just be like, well, tell me about organica. <laughs> like what's the, how does that help the vibe? <laughs> you know, like, tell me about like the basic, like, what are you looking for musical music wise in that warm up? Like something that's rhythmic beat, right? Like not just, it's not metallic necessarily, or it's not like, you know, it's not like, yeah, Super for hard. sure. Yeah. So I, what's going on there? I look at I look for a few things. If I was going to put some some, let's let's bring this home a little bit with some real 
<laughs> some real things people can do. Um, I really try to eliminate words in the first 15 minutes. I think, um, uh, again, words have power, but I think there's like a different, I mean, when you're studying to Mozart and there's no words or, or, or something that's purely rhythm based. And, and I'm not really, you know, I'm not an expert on musical theory. And, and so I'm sure that there's people who, who are schooled in music can help me understand the vocabulary. But there, when you're listening to other external messages from these artists, yeah, they can be empowering, but I think when you're, when you're tuning into your body's movement patterns, um, that's, you know, I think that's important. Uh, that's why certain music themes are, are better for max, you know, PR back squatting versus, uh, you know, a, a footwork drill or something like that. But, you know, if I typically find no words. I typically find, um, a, you know, a melody that works on a four count that people can match and mirror bass like in, a, in an easy way so they can link in to a simple dance step. Those are my two things. Often, there, you know, there's a there's different channels on, on Spotify or whatever that I can find that. Um, and there's one channel that I always kind of my go-to and I have a playlist that kind of does that. That's a little bit out there. You know, a little bit like yoga meets chill out lounge vibe type, you know, gets you gets you moving so yeah i think you mentioned there was occasionally as a revolt though the music gets <laughs> is there a revolt? Yeah, i mean people want the, the latest top 40 hits <laughs> want something that they know and that you got to know your audience and you really that comes down to who's in your building paying your overhead to be honest with it you have to kind of educate and convince people like this is why i'm doing this um to get us to this point of you like I wouldn't say uniformity, but there's like creative creativity within space that works and blends. If you look at like a crazy intersection with cars and that aren't colliding into each other, why is that? You know, if you look like at a basketball game with bodies flying around, but no one's fighting into each other, there's like a, a body's natural awareness in tight spaces. Other than living in Spain, too, the kids playing soccer in the streets. I mean, and then you know these tight tiny little spaces and their ball handling skills and they're they have a different awareness level there than kids growing up on massive fields just blasting the ball down downfield and you know they have three a bulb a bag full of balls and if you you know you don't have to even go chase your own ball you just you know hey i'll just use another one and so anyway awareness in tight spaces there's definitely a musical element to that and a dance and, and, and a dancing rhythm to it. So, you know, you could say mosh pits are, are there's a there's a chaotic harmony there too. But um, yeah. What do you? So, what are some of your favorite tools for the, for using that? I know you know, you've posted the speed ladder. That's a, that's a really simple one to to get the idea. If people are just looking for, hey, well, okay. So he puts on music with no words. There's a four count. Okay, now what? You know, you know what I'm saying. So, what? Can you yeah. give me a few examples and. Uh, I mean, I'll start with, maybe I'll just really quickly throw one of my favorite things that you did was it was like a lunge, even just getting into a lunge position and just manipulating, like straighten out your back leg to the beat, you know, do internal and external rotations with your front and back leg at the same time to the beat, just simple as that. And I'm like, and that's a lot more fun than, 
I don't know, here, do these 10 thoracic open books so you can lift weights. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So anyways, I what think, are, yeah. uh, like a tramp, a mini trampoline is awesome. It's 50 bucks on Amazon. You, you can use that trampoline to, to, to raise your body heat, uh, body temperature, but also try to match beat counts and whatnot. Um, any line, any, any barrier that you have to get over and, you know, up and over, you know, across whatever, uh, the zoom, the zoom experience last five months has been pretty interesting with, <laughs> from my garage using, uh, using whatever really. But, um, yeah. So like a, a mini tramp, a line on a floor, um, I, yeah, holding these static positions and finding kind of this, this trampoline within your own body, finding these elastic, elastic points, they're all, all, all great tools. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't do a lot of partner games. Maybe I need to, I love the, uh, I do love the old, uh, gunslinger slap game where you're trying to, you know, your, your partner's holding his hands out in front of them and you're, you're trying to, you know, draw your hand out of your pocket and slap their hands, you know, stuff like that. But you want to create some, I think humorous, you want to, you know, use some humor, use some, use something that's, gets people out of their comfort zone that that's always very effective so if you can integrate that with some 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 bouncing and and matching of beats then that's that's doubly effective i believe and then the, and the gameplay is always great too so okay ping pong uh and basketball are two great tools ping pong's a little safer for the random ro- ankle rolls you know but uh, yeah something you can get into a uh a metric you know a rhythm of of movement, dribbling a ball. I think that's why basketball is powerful. It's like the dribbling effect, something you can get out of your own conscious um, initiate initiatives and, and contractions and get into some involuntary contracting rhythm is, is cool. The, vi- the vibration plate, side alternating vibration plate. I love, I love it. It's one of my favorite tools um, that I use to initiate these things. What do you, uh, just the reason why to, so if someone asked and said, Hey Paul, why, why rhythm? Like what, show me some data. Like, I don't know. Cause I know there is some stuff out there that yeah. would indicate that, you that, you're, okay. that you're playing a dude. So tell me, data, tell me, yeah. Or just tell me why. From, yeah. Just from a general yeah. perspective too. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, um, if you're not using the tendon correctly or, uh, you know, if you're not using your own body's elasticity, you, you I don't care how strong you are. And, you, and I see it all the time in baseball too, is these guys are well-trained, finely tuned athletes. Yeah. There's a lot of wear and tear that we probably, it's hard to measure, but some ratio of elasticity uh, uh, is off, you know, the stretch shortening cycle. There's either the strength, you know, the strength portions off or the, or the, um, the amortization phase of some, some, some place along, you know, the eccentric capacities are off, whatever. So I think you take care of so, so much of that. Uh, and as far as the data backing that up, I think uh, we're always trying to see are our athletes tendons and ligaments being used optimally and not under too much stress that dictates what pathways, you know, how, you know, our strength training and what type of strength and strength and resistive training we need to do. So um, if you can read that with the naked eye and have it collaborative, with a force plate let's say then hey we're checking that box of protecting the athlete but but more so 
we do that every day if we get just get our athlete in tune if they come in stressed no sleep uh if they come in tight from whatever reason then we want to realign uh, the uh, the humerus and the femur and, and the joint uh we want to reestablish posture we want to reestablish breathing and these stretch responses everything from in the rib cage to our hamstrings everything so a lot of that can be tuned in the warm-up musically if if athletes engage with the process so it's a safety mechanism you're listening to the just fly performance podcast brought to you by simply faster i know in my experience using music as well and the more years i trained with you the more i started putting that in my warm-ups and you would just see it and i've seen elite coaches use it as well uh, to very high effect based off like what the warm up or what the workout is of the day and the themes and the rhythm of the day mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I feel like uh, in addition to tuning the body, and I do believe there's a strong tuning effect. Um, I will just say too, I'll very, I did a workout. It was last week. It was with a uh, training partner and we did, we started, um, we did, we started with like 20 minutes, like a little break dance circuit where I had four mm. or five different break mm-hmm. dance moves. And we, we did a little bit each time, I had some music on the Bluetooth speaker and, and we did that. And then we did about 20 minutes of hurdles, like you said, over barriers to the music though. And he had never really hurdled. So I'm teaching him and I'm like, all right, well, here's just some movements and just try to match mm. these movements over the hurdles to the beat. Doesn't have to be perfect. I care about the rhythm more than I care about whatever perfect yeah. is. And so we did that for about 20 minutes. And then we did like some kind of fun 200s and some bear crawls and stuff to finish. And later that afternoon, I had a session with another client um, doing just some jump training stuff. And and I just kind of wanted to see what I had. And man, I like just shot off the ground. It was like everything yeah. was tuned up, man. I jumped about three inches higher than I had last time I tried it. And you can just tell, you can feel it. Like your body, it sounds a little esoteric, but your body does need that tuning. And I think about even the, those studies that are like tendon health with the metronome, doing like timed mm-hmm. stuff with a metronome, slow, slow reps is better than just doing slow reps to, I don't know, like I guess maybe someone counting or you counting in your head. Like uh-huh. you need something that's rhythmic to like let the body work subconsciously and react and and take you also I'm sorry, this ended up being long. Yeah. And to be in the, in the zone to take you into that, like that zone state, trance state, flow state, where you're suddenly forgetting about that test you have to take, you know, tomorrow or, you know, relationship stuff or, you know, or whatever. It's like, how can this induce? Thinking about uh, the breakup and the backswing of a golf swing, you know, any sport you play is about, it's about timing. It's about rhythm. Sometimes I'll have football players training with baseball players or, or whatever. And you have to create this, this consistent theme of, hey, I don't care if you're timing up a perfect tackle or, or a, a running back make, making a move, cutting back against a, a, an aggressive um, over-pursuing tackler or, or a person golfing or, or a, you know, a baseball or softball player. There's, a, there's usual rhythms and timings that with all these things of, the stress responses and the storing and release and releasing of, it, of energy. So, and most of the injuries happen when, when what, when that's off for whatever reason it's is in, in, and then the strength work really becomes relative. And that's where the, like the velocity based training conversations and, and the, the flywheel trainings and the eccentric overloading really comes in into, into focus, I think is, 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 you know, we can look at these things in this, uh, look at the muscle, a health or tendon health in its kind of micro 
microcosm or you know uh, acute view of these things but in reality looking at the global elasticity and um, awareness anticipatory uh, melodic mirroring and matching uh, of an ath that athlete can do that's why small humans can produce a lot of power if they just time things up right and then the strength work becomes really simple it doesn't it's not this massive black box you say i got to be x amount of you know i don't need to get stronger or i do need to get stronger or where do we put our our time and an effort in these training plans if we're not taking care of the the body's natural rhythms it's it's all just and not guesswork but you feel like you're chasing it a bit you know you're wasting time and that's why athletes are training better and still getting hurt you know i don't know i don't know the injury rates but i know i used to know them in uh, the baseball they they're the same and i knew youth developments it's relatively the same right these athletes just don't know how to how to dance yep yep <laughs> you know it, it's it's I was running today. I was doing, um, today was an interesting day. I, I do a lot of exploration in my work, but today was like raining and I was like, you know, let's just do, um, let's just do like a hard, like, let's just do like some two hundreds fast and short, short rest and the boring, the boring tempo workout. But I don't know, the rain oh, kind of made it like this, this is a hard, let's have this a hard, be a hard workout and let's do this. And, and, uh, I just could feel, but it's fun because you can feel the results of all the exploration of rhythm you've done. Like I was so acutely aware of, the role of my upper body um, and my trunk coordinating the ground strike, like in the air, you know what I'm saying? Like where, where there's rhythm and timing in the air to create a better ground strike. And because and I've been with, doing a ton of, I was arm. talking about with, uh, you know, using gravity yeah. in, in the running, that, that's been a huge, huge factor in my renaissance of sprinting again. Is, yeah. is understanding the, the role of soaking, you know, soaking up energy instead of just fighting it all the time. Yes. Trying to create these, these massive collisions into the ground and more ground force reaction, more, more you know, I need to increase my force, but you know, at 42, I don't need to do that. I'm, but maybe most people don't need to do that. They just need to work with gravity running downhill from a lightning strike, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's so Sorry, much. There's, yeah, no, it's all good. I mean, there's an immense amount of free energy return inherent in the body. And it's just fun to, once you, you know, you've been through the process enough, you know, I would have never noticed this when I was 21, but to at 36 to literally feel my body shifting and timing itself in space to prepare for the next step. And you feel the rhythm of how that's different. It's like, I'm not going to get hurt running like this. Mm -hmm. I know for a fact I will not get hurt running like this. Now, I'm not probably running fast enough to get hurt. <laughs> it's running these 200s uh, temp, more tempo style. But, you know, it's it's just, it's cool to feel that. I, I You mentioned, um, you know, we uh, shoot, sprinting would be another conversation because I know we've talked mm -hmm. about that too. But I, so, and maybe, maybe let's touch that for just a minute because I want to get to the weightlifting mm -hmm. piece, you know, as well. Because I know we've talked mm -hmm. about the awareness, the rhythm. I know there's a lot of other elements that we haven't really talked about, like grip or like how you, you know you tend to do a lot of mobility opening up and things like that. And you, you've re rekindled uh, your love for sprinting. Uh, maybe mm -hmm. let's just touch on those real quick because I do want to get to the weightlifting piece. But tell me a little bit about, um, so, you know, people come in, there's awareness, there's uh, stuff to rhythm. Uh, what are some other key elements that you're usually trying to get to, like you know, sprinting, you know, grip, opening, creativity, well, you know, some other stuff? Yeah, that yeah, yeah. On. If you can, if we can, I think I've I've had a passion for the hamstring, just probably because my hamstrings have been uh, under assault from <laughs> trying to run super high and have these front side sprint mechanics that are like 
picture perfect, whatever that is. Um, so how do I have a healthy hamstring and hip and knee and back and posture? <laughs> how do I get enough eccentric loading on those if I'm not sprinting all the time? And the COVID has helped me get outside and sprint daily and not try to piece it together with uh, you know, a tool like the yo-yo hamstring, which I love. Uh, I've kind of championed the last states, but I don't need to try to replicate these high centric uh, velocities on my, on my posterior chain. I'm simply just sprinting daily. You know, my body has never been healthier and then adding, adding uh, some different technical uh, changes that I've kind of learned from, you know, you and, and uh, your buddy bar uh, about, knee placement, shin, you know, changing shin angles, especially in acceleration phases and, 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 and things like that. Learning, associating breathing and the stretch response and that front front sling, so to speak. Um, so, and I would say the grip, grip, grip strength, initiating the grip strength with these young athletes is just kind of a massive uh, hole in, in the, a lot of these kids' development. Is how can they hold their shoulders in the right spot how can they understand what shin angles and changing shin angles mean? And how do they consistently sprint? That's kind of like my mission statement is like getting an adult or a kid just to run, run better, horizontally move better. It has a huge association to pitching as well. Uh, and all these other sports where you're having to displace the hips forward all the time. Um, and then, initiate your body's elastic elasticity and, and, and optimal efficiency rates and things like that movement economy boom that's my passion right now is like and COVID's kind of brought that on a little bit more put that into focus because i have to go to the tracks i have to run outside and i'm not chained to a uh, i'm not chained to a, a a large overhead in being inside in a gym where as soon as i step outside the gym i'm not making money for the gym that's that's um that's been a very liberating experience these last five months. Tell me, um, tell me, Paul, just to finish out here. Uh, so the crescendo, right? Like we're working up, you Oof. have a goal of the day. And uh, I, I think probably typically there's some sort of strength outcome in that day that we would like to achieve. And uh, yes. tell me, tell me how things change. How does the music change? How does that transition to how long is the the strength af- typically after all these warm up activities? And, and uh, how does that shake out? Um, first of all, there's a garbage trucks outside my yeah. garage right now. So I'm hopefully that you can still hear me, but, um, if I put it simply, there's five minutes in every session that the strength adaptation you're looking for, um, everything from the grip to the hamstring to the posture alignment to the rhythmic alignments, uh, and, and tempos and tuning leads into that five minutes. And that five minutes of strength backs up the goal of and the movement goal of the day, or really way along the force velocity curve you, you want to be working as well. Um, yeah, and then that'll that's when you put on the Metallica maybe for a song, uh, or you, you change the envir- you change the mood, and and uh, you know again lyrics are one thing, but I think there's heavy guitar chords. And again, I, I'm not a music expert, but I know there's, there's a change that that happens. There's an aggression. 
do we want to live in that aggressive state for 90 minutes or do we want to live it in for five minutes you know being being wise and tempering your 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 team or your athletes to you know don't fire until you see the whites of their eyes so to speak like save those bullets for when it really matters but there's a whole lead-up process to that to that maximum fight or flight state uh, and that's then that then discussion becomes how much do you live in that during the week and then that's when you have whoop bands and a, a million other bio uh, <laughs> feedback technical technical devices that are taken trying to take the place of coaches to, to really do that to, you know eliminate the human element and, and, and making those assessments but yeah that's that's what I would, I would sum it up i mean the crescendo happens and then you need to have the processing moment and the and the encouraging moment where you get the you know you deactivate the sympathetic nervous system get into the rest and digest mode you know zebras i read a good book uh, in my anatomy class something something i think the title is why, why zebras don't get ulcers you know yeah they're in maximum fight or flight mode or they're just rocking around on the serengeti eating and ha- hanging out or there might, there's always an awareness i think you know but you know animals don't have these um health issues because they 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 don't fudge the lines there it's either like i'm gonna get eaten or i'm gonna rest and eat <laughs> you know and that's the biggest thing i'm trying to help students understand is like it doesn't have to be this high anxiety moment all the time of getting to the weight room at 5 a.m to go through a warm-up list and then max out and then go to class or whatever you know or rush after school to the weight room and you're going to be berated by your coach you're gonna be running laps you know exercise isn't isn't a punishment um, you know and it's a joy it's a celebration of life in your own body and it's actually the one time athletes can be in total, like mostly totally con- total control of their bodies because it doesn't, you don't have to have a, a coach who's going to bench you or there's a pitch that you swing and miss at. There's so much failure in sport. If we can have the training environment be a highly empowering, uh, redemptive experience, athletes are going to be happier and, and healthier and move rhythmically better and, and in these elastic and, and harmony elastically. And that's got to be the majority of the injuries. Yeah, there's certain strength de- deficits, but you're going to see people getting a lot stronger and not being able to handle and anticipate changes uh, in games and blow out nonetheless. That's a great so, summer. That's my- <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe that's a, maybe that's right? a good uh, title. Exercise is a celebration, not a punishment. If, if you were to... Oh, man. There we go. You'll save me a few you, seconds You'd be surprised later. though. You, you, you worked in college sport where I think, you know, it's different than the, the youth, beginning youth stages I'm seeing now. Maybe, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But I think there's a hell of a lot of anxiety coming into a weight room. It's I have to keep up with the other kids so I can get a scholarship. My parent is making me do this. My peers are making me do this. I love my a lot of aspects of my gym. We don't have free t-shirts. We don't have a lot of hype. There's no sign on the door. We, uh, it's, it's the onus is completely on the, on the athlete himself. Um, there's a lot of, you know, just ownership in the whole experience. You're it's mixed genders, mixed races. 
uh, mixed economic states. And the kids are come out of the experience, like fully aware uh, human beings that can be great members of society, whether or not they make the pros or not. And that's my mission statement is to equip young people to really be advocates for themselves, love other people, celebrate the body and not look at it as like a, a source of massive anxiety, you know? I love that, man. Well, Hey, that's, that's an awesome closing, closing statement. <laughs> I could, there's nothing I can add to that. So I Paul, thanks so much, man. That was an awesome talk. And every time I talk to you, I just, I, it makes me a better coach and uh, a better human being. So I appreciate it, man. Well, I, I, uh, my one plug is to, you know, anybody who's ever in town, come, come, come experience, come, come share, come, in Monterey, come Salinas. Collect, <laughs> yeah, come have a collective collective experience. And because uh, that's when you start to share these things, you start to, to breathe life. And in, 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 I don't want to be too sappy, but you really start to heal and you come to common ground with other people because no, not two people are going to have exactly the same viewpoints. But if you can train together, you can share that experience and be vulnerable together. Boom. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. And we can learn from each other. So I really enjoy when people stop by and say, what's up and, uh, and, uh, have a good day. You know, it's, uh, yeah. Awesome. It only costs, it only costs your mind. <laughs> it only costs your mind. Well, Hopefully in a good way. Right. <laughs> no, I know. Actually strike that from, the, it, it, you know, it only costs the ability just to be a little bit vulnerable yeah. and enter in. And, uh, that's what, that's what the beauty of coaching is, isn't it? That shared coaching experience. And that's what we crave. It's just to go through this collective coaching experience together. Probably why your podcast is so popular, you know, people being vulnerable about what they do and, and sharing that experience. So I'm glad to be just a tiny, tiny, tiny link part of that, you know? Yeah. Well, Hey, it's great having you, Paul. Thanks again, man. Okay, buddy. I'll see you soon. Talk to you later. That does it for another show. Thanks for being here today with us. I appreciate you all as listeners and uh, you all really make this thing possible. If you enjoy the show, you can help us out by leaving us a rating, review, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever you're listening to the show on. Also wanted to give one last shout out to our sponsor, simplyfaster.com, suppliers of high-end training technology, Freelap Timing System, KBox, Gym Aware. Um, KBox and Freelap are two of Paul's favorite that you will see at his gym uh, amongst other things. So be sure to check out simplyfaster.com, support them. Uh, we've been appreciative of their sponsorship over the years. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Have a good one.